to the Monsters of Socks podcast. Dan, what's the worst? Wait, wait, wait. What's the worst apple? What's the worst apple? Hold on. <laughs> I'm too distracted by whatever that intro was to answer this question. Um, I do have an answer to this question, but what was that? Were I don't you, was, know. Were you I'm trying to do around. a monster voice? Was that no, like a Dracula just, thing? Just around. <laughs> just goofing around. Okay. Um, the it's worst the dog days. It's the dog days. It is. It is the dog days. The worst apple is any apple you buy. Anything that comes wrapped in plastic outside of the months September through November is the okay. Worst but that's not the question because the pot on Lansdowne the guys started with an apple segment, and they said two contradictory things that somehow are both wrong. They said Red Delicious was A, overrated, and B, got a bad rap. A, it's not overrated, and B, it does not get a bad rap. It gets a correct rap because it's the worst apple. So this is just firing back at the pod boys. Yeah, I don't remember them saying it was overrated. I do remember them. I remember one of them saying that it... Yeah. Did they say it was over? See, I I remembered one of them saying it's catching too much heat these days. That like the pendulum has swung too far in the red delicious sucks category. No, um, red that's, delicious but that's just sucks. not a possible. Anyhow, it's this is a bad. Red Sox podcast. Dan, how do you feel about the Red Sox? I I feel I feel pretty great. Uh, even though they just lost uh, two out of three to the Oakland Athletics, <laughs> I still feel pretty good. Um, <laughs> Uh, it's, I, I just feel good in general today. I was thinking of springing. So I am, I am going to spring a segment on you later today. Uh, I will tease it right now. I'll just give you a little, you don't know what it's going to be. The listeners don't know what it's be. Only I know. I'll just give you a little teaser. It has to do with the Red Sox and has to do with Instagram. Um, so I'm going to spring that on you later and I'm super excited about it. And I was thinking of piling maybe even more segments onto this show because I think segments are the key. People ask me all the time. They say, Dan, how do you become the number one baseball podcast in Sri Lanka? I'm sure you get that question every day. I, I, I say, guys, I've answered this so many times. Just so many times. Back off. Yeah. Jesus. Please, give if me you don't, space. if you listen to us, you must have heard me say it. So, yeah. Yeah. The answer, just to put it on the record one more time so people will stop asking us. The answer is to have lots of segments that you very excitedly announce and then do once and never again. That's See, how that's, you do it. I like it. It's like Calvin Ball. I was thinking that for our regular segments, I want to record like little intros, you know, break it up, be very With silly. You singing like what you did at the top of the show. I don't <laughs> even know if that counts as singing technically, but. I'm, I'm glad either. I'm glad that I powered through your objections. Now everyone has yeah, to hear it. You really did. You, you know, I do have to say about the A's series. I understand it's unfortunate that the Red Sox lost two of three to the A's, but the hand wringing over these two losses when the Red Sox are ahead of the Yankees and the division, while probably not in the Red Sox. Uh, future winning it at least is now as we speak on thursday the at least is tied did you know that know that um yeah i can't believe it it's it's you know it's funny when so coming into the off season 
we did a series. We did a series throughout the off season. I guess this was more of our season preview. So this was like February. Um, we did two different types of articles on the site. We did one things we're excited for in 2023 and things we're terrified for in 2023. And one of the suggestions I threw out there for things we're terrified for in 2023 that, that Phil Newfer ended up writing about was what if the Orioles are much better than we think they are? Um, now there's still, look, the Orioles run differential. I'm looking at it right now. <laughs> Yeah, it says they shouldn't be as good as they are, but the wins are in the books. And the Orioles have somehow tied a team that got off to a historically hot start. It is it is pretty mind-blowing. Even and for have someone the second like best me, run differential in the league. Yeah. Even for someone like me who was who, you know, the the entire point of framing the Orioles in that piece that way was you know we don't think they're that good yet but maybe they will be you know so even for someone like me who's a little skeptical I can't say the Orioles aren't good <laughs> I can't say yeah. that yeah it's uh it's something to behold I'd still probably pick the Rays to win the division but the Red Sox are ahead of the Yankees. Yes, they lost two games to Oakland. I was also confused that people on this very podcast network named Jake, which does not narrow it down at all. No, it does not. Seem to be seem to be getting more down on this season as it progresses, whereas I feel like the last two weeks, the last two games aside, have been the best part of the season so far. I didn't. Are you talking about Jake Devereaux or Jake Wallinger? Let's nail this down. Devereaux. Devereaux. I, I did not. I mean, I listened to the show this week. I didn't get the impression that he was uh, particularly pessimistic. What are you okay. referring to? Just, no, the, was I it just the James Paxton trade talk. Yeah, I just don't. I don't well, think I, the trade like the Red Sox are not going to be sellers. And I know that two weeks ago this wasn't as clear, but it's pretty clear now. Well, so I'm a. I'm still not sure that's the case. Well, okay, but, but I just B, told you, so you should now know. I think the reason why they were discussing James Paxton so much, and why I wrote 1,500 words about it, which which is sort of why they brought it up, and and this is what Jake was saying, and I completely agree with him. I think this James Paxton situation is fascinating. And I think it's going unless look unless the Red Sox over the next two weeks definitively answer the question either by you know winning ten games over the next two weeks or losing ten games you know and thereby firmly grasping postseason position or firmly falling out of it. This James Paxton question really fascinates me, and I think it encapsulates everything we know about Heim Bloom right now and the project that he's undertaken since he took over this team, and, you know, and we can talk about, we, you know, we could talk about whether the project should have been undertaken in the first place. That is, that has always been my principal issue. The, by, by project, I mean this essentially secret five-year plan that they're doing without telling anybody that on a five-year plan, the step back, the fact that they're very obviously not trying to put together a complete major league roster while they focus on building the farm, Sorry. while they focus on dropping money commitments, yada, yada, yada. 
and then but you know there, there there's some point on the future horizon where they where bloom will get to a, a point where he's comfortable enough with the farm system and the payroll obligations that they will once again be big money contenders right that's what i mean by the project now we've talked about this before so we won't need to we don't need to dive into it today i don't think that that project should have been undertaken at the time it was when they had three potential future hall of famers under the age of 27 on the big league roster, but whatever it, it is. And it, you know, it's done. It's in the books now, now that that project is undertaken, I, you know, I look bloom has his faults. He's made his mistakes, but I understand every move he's made with respect to that project subsequent to the Mookie trade. Um, even if I get frustrated by the fact that he is now two years in a row, just completely punted on one of the nine defensive positions last year, he totally punted on right field because in trading Hunter Renfro, he was able to get back a couple of prospects, not great prospects, but he looked at Renfro saw what a lot of people figured was a career year for a guy who had power and a good arm, but didn't really bring much else to the table. And he said, okay, I can turn this, uh, you know, we don't, we don't, we're not focusing on the major league roster right now. So let me turn this guy into two prospects. And then he ended up not, you know, replacing him with Jackie Bradley Jr., who the year before was one of the worst hitters in all of baseball and who once again was one of the worst hitters of all of baseball. And then we saw it again this year at shortstop. He did the same thing at shortstop where the plan all along, we can now see in retrospect, was that Trevor Story would take over for Xander Bogarts, who they did not want to sign long term. The only reason they had Trevor Story in the first place was because he had a bulky elbow and other teams were reluctant to give him uh, the, the type of free agent deal that a player of his caliber normally would attract. And when that bulky elbow extremely predictably blew up in early January or was it even late December this past offseason, he just didn't replace him at all. <laughs> because again, he doesn't want to expend future capital on the major league roster because that's not what he's doing right now. He's just, he's trying to make He's trying to make the big league roster as good as it can be without spending any future capital, either in the form of prospects or long-term contracts, right? So that's the project. So given that, and given how I, I think you can look at pretty much every move he's ever made within that lens and see how it fits in that project, this Paxton thing fascinates me. Because like I wrote in that piece, I don't, I truly believe that in his heart of hearts, he wants to trade James Paxton because he knows Paxton's value. He knows that his trade value is arguably higher than anyone he's had since Mookie. If you, you know, considering the fact that he couldn't trade Xander Bogarts without Xander's permission because of the no trade clause, Paxton's trade value is that valuable. It's higher than probably anyone he's had since Mookie. And it's probably going to be higher than anyone he will have for the foreseeable future. Because no one else fits that profile of a of a veteran having a great season who has who's on a short-term tradable commitment. So I think in my heart of hearts, he wants to trade him. And I think it's a fascinating question, fascinating thing to watch for the next two weeks to see what ends up happening with Paxton. All right. I have two disagreements. Obviously, I agree with most of what you said, like a huge, a huge portion of the history of this podcast is de has been defined by sort of sketching out what their obvious plan has been the one the first disagreement is a is a small one you said oh we now know the plan 
was to sign Trevor Story so that so he could take over at shortstop when Xander left. I think we knew that at the time. Uh, we did pretty- we did know it at the at the time he was signed, everyone said that. But then he came into the spring training and he said, I'm happy to play second base. And he was so good at second that we all just kind of buried it under the rug. But the thing I disagree, well, I don't know, claim to know what's in his his heart of hearts, but I don't, if you look at the pattern, uh, he trades guys in the offseason. He doesn't trade guys like Paxton. He's made deadline deals each of the past He has, but it hasn't. Look, they're five games over 500. They're two and a half games back of the wild card. I think it's a non-starter to even I think about trading Paxton. I, I think that he's always claimed that we're living in these two worlds where we're rebuilding and competing. And... Trading Paxton would give the whole game away. Not it would. That, it would. It not that it matters because it's already been given away, but in the world they live in and what they want to project, it just doesn't comport with anything else they've done. Now, if they were five games under, again, if they lose ten games in a row. It could be different, but as we've said about this team all along, that's just not what this team is. This team is fairly stable, and they have a very good, favorable schedule coming up now, unlike they did with the A's. They got to win those games, but the A's, just a blip. It happens. You know, Bayo just got rocked on Wednesday, and... Mm -hmm. That's going to happen. But there's a lot more to talk about from that series, specifically from the first game of that series, specifically having to do with Nick Pavetta, which we will talk about after this break. We are back. Dan, did you watch the Nick Pavetta game? I did. I watched the Nick Pavetta game, and I'll be honest with you. I don't... I've been trying to think about this all morning, knowing that we were going to discuss it. There was something about that game that a made it more fun than I've had watching uh, a regular season game in the middle of the season than I've had in years. And also kind of like made me feel like a kid when I was watching it, not necessarily in the sense of like, that I was watching it with childlike wonder, although I kind of was just watching, watching this dude just strike out one batter after another. But um, I don't know. It was, it was so much fun. I think in part because for those innings that he was in there, at least for me, I wasn't thinking of, like I was just watching the performance and just, I was just in awe of the performance. I was in awe of his breaking ball. I was in awe of him mowing these A's hitters down. And I wasn't really thinking about the wider context of like who Nick Pavetta is, whether he's been a disappointment, uh, whether he deserves another shot in the rotation. I wasn't really thinking of the season in a broader context of, you know, whether this is an important game. 
and of course, I don't know anything about the A's because uh, because they are the one of the worst teams of the century, really, frankly. Um, so all of that combined to sort of I it it gave me like the feeling like I was watching the Red Sox in the mid '90s, back when I didn't necessarily have a real great sense of like the bigger baseball picture, and I could just sit down sometimes and see Aaron Seeley strike out the side and be like, wow, Aaron Seeley is amazing. I love watching this guy. Like that's what I was doing with Nick Pavetta the other night. When I played baseball in high school, we called anyone who could throw, we tried to throw lollipop curveballs and we called, called them Aaron Seeley curves. And to Aaron this day, Seeley's. I still think, yeah. I still think of that. He, uh, he had a beautiful curve. He really did. I, I had the same reaction to that game as I was watching it. It was a, uh, Obviously, the lowest possible stakes version of the Pedro relief game against mm. uh, the Cleveland, uh, the Troy O'Leary game. Yep. But you just, this guy who's our guy has been through some stuff. And then just to watch someone. It sounds very Bill Simmonsy, but like it was a moment. That was, was a moment. I remember that it was a and it was a one hitter and like it. It's also Pedro like in the sense that the Pedro game against the Yankees where he gave up a home run in the first or second inning. So Davis, it was never yeah. gonna yeah. So it was never gonna be yeah. uh, no hitter. But the but the excellence after that just kept building upon itself with no pressure. Because yes. that Ryan Noda got a hit in the first inning, yeah. and then it was it was just lovely. It, it, it was, kind of was Pedro. Like, it it really was. was. It, I mean, in it, the way that, helped. like, when yeah, when when Pedro used to start, I'm sure you did. Everyone did this. You know, I would, I was, I would, I would count how many strikeouts he had in the first two innings every single start. And then extrapolate that over yeah, nine to see if course. he was going to hit 20. And then the third inning would come. And, oh, if he only struck out one guy in the third, I would start to get worried. But then the fourth, he would maybe strike out two more. And I would be doing the calculations in my head. Like, all right, how many strikeouts does he need to get to 20? That was every game with Pedro. And that, yeah, you're, that was a similar feeling. with, but not, that, not that we were counting strikeouts to 20 because obviously, obviously that wasn't going to happen. But it was just like, how good is he going to be tonight? Uh, funny story about that. Pedro's strikeout total. It also, with Pedro, it was hits. Like, is he not, you know? Yeah. Could yeah. always. It's so disappointing whenever he gave up that first hit because he was so, expected. Uh, he struck out I... 17 twice, and that's his record. One was the Chili Davis game. <clears throat> yep. The other game was the only game I ever saw him pitch at Fenway against the Rays, and they lost to Steve Traxel. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> but he did strike out 17. Yeah, I actually don't I don't remember that game. The 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 big Pedro Rays game that sticks out in my mind, of course, is the one where he hit uh who did where he hit? Brian Dabak came flying in. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh no, was it yeah, yeah, it was Dabak. And then Trot Nixon later threw his bat at the at the Rays pitcher in retaliation. Um who was it? Like Glenn Allen Hill or someone like that? Uh I was wanted, no, it wasn't Glenn Allen Hill. I want to wasn't Gerald Williams. 
Gerald Williams. Oh, was the it was it was Gerald. It was uh, it was Gerald though. It was uh, oh man, somebody. How long is it, how long is it gonna take us to remember it, dude? We're not gonna do it. But anyhow, <laughs> it was uh, but it you just had the as you said like it helped that he was facing the A's, obviously, of course. But a lot of teams face the A's don't have a reliever go out there and have 13 strikeouts in six innings uh, with no hits. So it was really, I think that if the Red Sox finish around where they are right now, which is to say out of the playoffs, but just out of the playoffs, if you say the Matt Dermody game is like, the defining low moment that would like the Nick Pavetta game is like the defining charming moment. Maybe. It, yeah, it might be. It, it, Cause it was just so, it was so like the, the Duran getting all the doubles was fun too, but this was lightning in a bottle. Yeah. Uh, and there's something too about the fact that it was a late night West coast game. And the fact that it was against kind of a nothing team that actually somehow elevates it in my mind. <laughs> right. It's, it, this is, that... it's like what makes baseball amazing. It's like any game, this could happen. And because the game had so little consequence, I mean, it would be one thing if it had no, like if it was the A's versus the non-twins AL Central team, just enter one right. there, right? It was like A's Tigers and it happened, you'd be like, Okay, well, at least the Red Sox are like in it enough that it just it had just enough meaning, but just enough ordinary people as game feel that it was just it was it was great. And uh, and I had to recap it. So I actually watched it. And that was that was another part uh, the one game I watched at the West Coast swing uh, or the A series. They won. They lost the other two, even though yesterday's was at in the afternoon so it's really my fault it is your fault yeah and it was bayo too you have no excuse for not well it's yeah it's the brian i look the brian group text is blowing up with brian what did you do what did you do brian with with weird you have a weirdly spelled brian group text yeah we if if you you have the y if you have the y you're allowed in you're in it doesn't matter the other ones like there's brian's that you're in it's just with the i nope all right, question for you before we close the loop on Nick Pavetta. So there have there have been questions about what to do with Nick Pavetta because Nick Pavetta is a starter by trade. The Red Sox, in case you've forgotten, only have three healthy starters right now, not including him, and he just threw a, a starter's workload out of the bullpen. As of now, I, I don't know if this has actually been officially announced yet. I didn't think it had. But as of now, on the probables, he is listed as Sunday night starter against the Mets. Um, how do you feel about like First of all, a couple of questions. One, is Nick Pavetta, did he do anything differently? <laughs> That's the, Or is he just having a hot stretch? That's an important question to consider because he did, we have, we've seen Pavetta do this before. He had a month last year where he had an ERA uh, that was like 2.4 or for the month. We obviously all remember what he did in October, 2021. So this could just be a random hot stretch that just happens to coincide with his moving to the bullpen, or it could be that moving to the bullpen is just a better fit for him and he's flourishing, or it could be that he's changed something. Um, Avery Hamill 
it tried to figure out Jacob Roy tried to figure it out too. Um, tried to figure out, you know, look at his pitch, his pitch usage and the movement and the tunneling and everything and see if there's anything different. <laughs> the velocity seems to be the same, except for the short, you know, the really short relief stints where he dials it up. The velocity seems to be the same. The movement seems to largely be the same. The only real difference that Avery found was that he's entirely since moving to the bullpen, he's completely dropped his splitter, which he never threw that much anyway. And he's replaced it with a sweeper, which he still isn't throwing that much. He's still not throwing it as much as, as any of his other pitches, although he is throwing it more than a splitter. Um, so that doesn't seem to explain it. So I don't know if this is just random or if he's different. Um, but either way, he is, I guess, going to get a chance to start. And after what we saw from how garbage he was at the beginning of this year, are you excited to watch him start against the Mets? I mean, are you worried? Is he going to go back to old Pavetta? He's not. He's not old Pavetta. He's not new Pavetta. He's just Nick Pavetta. He's just. He is what he is. There's the pod guys, pod on Lansdowne guys, were talking about. They thought, and obviously this is before. I think he was listed as the probable for Sunday, uh, but which is of course we don't know if that'll happen. But yeah, they said you know there's no way Cora's ever going to. Madden started again. I'm just like, why not? He pitched six innings. You know, it's like, it's the defining trait for a starting pitcher to me is like, could you pitch six innings if you needed to? Yeah. And Nick Pavetta obviously can. So I don't know what's in his head. I don't know if seeing a different pitcher the first time through makes him look better by comparison. But this is part of the high and bloom project is having guys who can switch roles if need be. And doesn't surprise me at all. It would surprise me if he struck out 13 batters in six innings and didn't give up any runs again, ever in his career. But it does not surprise me And to answer your question, I think he just hit a hot streak and they need an arm who's capable of pitching six innings, and he is. But uh, the other thing that is notable from that game, and I think that this is, again, I'm cribbing pot on Lansdowne, is that you want to give Bloom credit for things. And without getting into the whole mechanics behind it, Bernardino, that's like, that is a great grab uh, by, by Haim and he's under team control through like 2029 or something. And obviously he's a supporting piece, but we need supporting pieces. And I think the whole project again, hinges on what happens this off season, but I, I, and, and to that end, that's why I don't think they're going to change trade Paxton now because they're just too close to being in it. And I mean, cause we could say that and I know the playoff system has changed since then, but Red Sox in 2021 had a one game playoff against the Yankees. If they lost that game, everything would feel totally different. They almost didn't even get to that game. They needed to win in the last day of the season to get to that game. And they and they so happened to face 
one of the best pitchers in baseball ostensibly, but not against us. <laughs> so, yeah. so uh, speaking of that, yes. Um, is it I actually, time? so no, it's is, not time yet. Okay. I'm actually, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to bring back, actually, I'm going to bring back, but change an old segment by which Ooh. I mean, again, again, a segment that we brought on enthusiastically did once and then never did again. It's very, um, it's very late night TV style to, to do this. And I, <laughs> it is. I like it. All right. So again, talking about Paxton, talking about the trade deadline. Um, we had a, a one-time segment in spring training called, is this a big deal or are there just too many people writing about the Red Sox? And the inspiration at the time, I think, was that this was in spring training. And all of a sudden, within a span of two days, there were like eight different articles all of which had almost the exact same headline questioning whether the Red Sox had a leadership vacuum. And boy, that's something that no one should have cared about at the time and no one should care about now. But we talked about how there's just so many goddamn people who cover the Red Sox. They need to write about something. Now, something else happened 10 days ago. That's making me question are there not enough people writing about the Red Sox or is this not a big deal at all? I don't know. Um, a, a, this is a, this is all about a quote from Alex Cora and that I'm wondering two questions about it. One, is this quote meaningful? And two, regardless of whether it's meaningful, why hasn't the media made a big deal about this? Um, because be I really clear, can't figure it out. To be clear to our audience, I don't know the quote. You don't know the quote. And and I'm part of the reason for this. I, I read this article and I read this quote when it first came out. Uh, it's a it's a quote. It's, it's a, a piece from Chris Cotillo on Mass Live. And it was about the trade deadline. And it's about where the Red Sox are and the question of whether they're going to be buyers and sellers and what's different about the team this year versus last year versus 2021, yada, yada, yada. And I remember reading the quote from Cora and I raised my eyebrows on it. And I said, oh, that's interesting. This is going to be discussed and I'll probably discuss it. And then I kind of forgot about it, in part because it, nobody else seemed to care about it. Um, so here's the quote from Alex Cora again in the piece, being he, he's pre presumptive. We don't hear the question, but it seems like he's been asked about whether the team should add at the trading deadline. He says, We're in a good place. But at the end of the day, the place that we like is to play in October. It is not about how many prospects you have or where your farm system is. It might be number one or 30th or whatever. The one that really counts is how many games you win in October and how many games you play in October. That's what we're shooting for. Well, so, I just saw your eyebrows race. Well, the reason is I don't know why you would hear that and think that they're going to trade James Paxton unless, well, unless, unless that's a, unless that was a, don't trade James Paxton. That's well, my question. For, so my question, to, for, again, first of all, is this meaningful? Is he talking to Bloom through the media there? Yes. With that quote? Yes. I mean, plainly. And B, how has that not blown up into a massive deal? This is like, again, we have so many people writing about the Red Sox. The Boston media has never shied away from taking something that might not be meaningful and pretending it's meaningful. So how is it that this quote was published 10 days ago and no one has commented on it? Uh, that's an 
amazing question. I think I did see that and I had the same reaction, but then just like, for, I mean, look, you said 10 days we, ago, we didn't discuss it last week. It just sort of went. No, we didn't. I totally forgot about other. it. Everyone has. But this I, is, I think like this is, this is Alex Cora talking to High and Bloom through the media. This is Alex Cora, I think, throw, you know, put planting a flag in the sand saying we need to buy. That now is not the time to care about the farm system. And presumably, he's not saying that out of the blue. Presumably, he and Heimbloom talk quite a bit. And he might have some insight into what Heimbloom was thinking about the trade deadline at least 10 days ago. This and, and you know what else? And we've I feel like we've also seen other comments from Cora here or there throughout the season like with respect to the shortstop position, we've seen him say things like the roster is what it is. You know, when asked about who's going to play shortstop or why is he still relying on Kike there? We've seen him say things like that, you know, the players are who they are, which also I think could be construed as somewhat of a shot at the front office. And I'm just fascinated by like high and bloom is such a divisive figure and the Boston media loves to play on that divisiveness. They do not hesitate at all, which is why everyone had such a blast talking and writing about winter weekend back in February. And I just, I, I can't understand why this quote hasn't been thrown into that media cycle. Seems to me that like the bloom is off the road. <laughs> that was not intentional, but the, uh, the bloom is off the rose a little bit with Cora. He, he seems to be a little bit sick of this shit. Uh, you know, you say the winter weekend thing, the clips that circulated, he's just sitting there. He just sat know? there and just listened. <laughs> yep, he did. And look, we know what they're doing and he knows what they're doing. The difference is that they're honest with him. It sounds like he's sick of it. Let me ask you this, Dan. Do you think there's a chance that he's not the manager next year? Uh, I do think there's a chance, but I think uh, as you just alluded to, it's sort of, it's really hard for us to make the call because we know <laughs> because the Red Sox aren't being forthcoming with their project <laughs> and they haven't been since day one. Um, so it really all hinges on what Bloom, Cora and Henry have decided internally are the goals for this team. But I th- I disagree because I don't are. think Cora. I think what Cora is saying is that he's not actually. It seems to me like he's saying I'm not actually part of the group that has decided to do this. I'm not on board with this. Yeah. And when I said, "Will Alex Cora be the manager next year?" What I mean is, what year does Jason Veritek become the manager? <laughs> It's a good question, and obviously there is a. You're right that there is a ready, a ready, a ready-made replacement sitting there in the dugout. Uh, but then again, we don't know. We don't know what Jason Veritek's feelings about the well, long-term vision of the, the team difference. are here's either, and High and Bloom definitely does. Here's the big difference: Cora was manager when Dombrowski was GM, and Dombrowski mm. gave him the ingredients. Like he gave him the, yeah. the highest quality ingredients you could have. And 
I think there's going to be a difference. I think you're seeing, you're right, this juicy quote that Cora's patience is running a little thin with this. And I think the difference is that, I mean, yes, Veritech was on World Series winning teams, but I think in terms of, and look, I, I obviously it might not be Veritech, but I if if you had to bet on Veritech or the field for the next Red Sox manager, I am taking Veritech easily. Yeah. But I think he's sort of just happy to be there. And I get this, I think from this quote specifically, and like the winter weekends, like who wants that bullshit in your life if you don't need to have it? Uh, I think Cora could go get a job anywhere else too. I think that the stuff doesn't matter. Like his the people Astros talk about the Astros stuff, stuff whatever, yeah. who cares? Like it's, it's really interesting. You know, I talk about the comparisons with the Yankees, how there's a little Spider-Man mean thing going on, but it's different. Uh, it's different because the Yankees fans don't want their manager. Uh, and I still GM. think I want it. Right. And I, Bloom is frustrating, but I think he's good at what he's trying to do. Yeah. And I think that all of us, I think Cora is sort of speaking for all of us right now in the sense that he's like, yeah, man, this is all cool, but we really do want to win the World Series. Yeah. Uh, if Cora were to be fired, no, or see, if that I don't to, think is going to happen. Yeah. Or or if or if he were to leave in any way, mutual that, mutual decision. You know that yeah. sort of thing. If if he left in any way that made it clear that he was leaving because of a rift between him and the front office, I mean that would that would ignite an explosion, I think, amongst well, I a certain think segment be of the fan base. If he leaves, unless they're like, yeah, I don't know, unless it's, they're uh, really smooth about it. But all right, so but again, so if I if I think this would cause a massive explosion in, in the fan base, and I do think it would, part two of the question: Why is this not a big deal right now? Is it our fault? I think I mean that, I, I like we can look in the I haven't written a, a word about this. You haven't written a word about this, so maybe it's our fault. Is it maybe that the beat reporters like Alex Cora and want to spare him the uh the the pain in the ass of perpetuating could, this storyline? And I don't mean consciously, maybe, consciously, but he like, said it. Like he obviously said it. He knew what he was saying. So I don't think uh you know, I, I think he probably would have been prepared to weather whatever storm followed. It's, I, I agree. It's, uh, I, I don't have an answer for that because that does seem to be a shot across the bow plainly. It really, really does. Yeah. He's not Man. just like talking about the general nature of farm systems here just to kill time. No, and he's saying that I also think he's putting into words something that's true and something that we've talked about plenty. It's like prospects are such a hit and, mi hit and miss such business. Such a hit and miss, yep. That especially if you're the one moving around the chess pieces in real time, you really want more queens and rooks than try to promote, you know, 
have to try to promote these guys at the end of the board. And he's just not getting those. And it's like a team full of knights. There's yeah, such a move in any direction. And and not only that, but there's there's way too much emphasis placed on farm system rankings these days. Because farm system rankings are just a guess. They don't like this. This is a hard concept to grasp. But having the number one farm system in baseball at ranked does not actually mean you have the best farm system in baseball. It doesn't. It means that a lot of people are guessing that you do, but you don't actually find out who has the best farm system in baseball until five years later. And we're seeing this with the Red Sox right now, as we all famously know, when Dave Dabrowski was fired, the Red Sox had, by at least one estimate from, I think, Baseball America, the worst farm system in baseball. That was a guess. Did they actually have the worst farm system in baseball? No, because in the farm system at that time was Brian Bale, Tristan Casas, Jaron Duran, Cutter Crawford, and Tanner Houck, amongst others. Like five guys who are now very valuable contributors to a team in the playoff hunt, and a couple of whom in Bayo and and, and Casas look like potential stars, okay? It was a guess. They did not actually have the worst farm system in baseball at the time. Um, and I think I wrote about this before in the past, too, that the San Diego Padres once had the, the number one ranked farm system two years in a row and then finished under 500 for the next 12 years after those rankings. It's just like being ranked number one does not actually mean you have the best farm system. That's a mind fuck for people to get around. But it's true because the rankings are a guess. That's all they are. And, and it's capricious. You're talking about the amount of media. Like, I'm not going to. <laughs> but I could tomorrow say, oh, here's the over-the-monster farm system rankings. Mm-hmm. Somebody might read that and be like, all right, let's let's incorporate it into our model. It, it's just a – exactly. It, no, one, no one even did farm system rankings 20 years ago because the internet didn't exist yet. This is like the fact that they, that these rankings exist now is a product of the content minds. Like that's what it is. We got to talk about something. We got to write about something. Let's get it out there and then people recycle it. I'm not going to write off Marcelo Mayer. Like obviously, because no, we don't know. Because we don't know, right? No, obviously we just don't know. And I'm writing something right. I'm going to publish something today about Roman Anthony. And, you know, how he's taken off and is now arguably better than Marcelo Meyer. Right. And like these leaps, ha- I mean, Mookie is the perfect example of the Came leap. Just, nowhere. Yep. Just, you just have it or you don't. And it's, it's a real sink or swim business. And Mayer isn't swimming uh, as, as, as comfortably as Roman Anthony. And then the other part of that whole thing we were talking about when Dombrowski traded, well, part of the reason that they're ranked so poorly is they traded their top pitching prospect. And graduated and Rafael Devers and Andrew Benintendi in back-to-back back seasons. And the top like prospect in baseball, Moncada, mm-hmm. four players 
who won them a World Series player. Right. Because I think that as good as that team was, Chris Sale was as important as anybody on it. I Absolutely. think that's fairly yeah. uh, uncontroversial statement. And I mean, I think Chris Sale, where he fits in going forward is an interesting question, but I, I agree. I, I agree. I, I'm happy Cora said that because I agree with him, especially, especially now that the team is a few games over 500 and looks to maybe be sustaining that and have some more winnable games coming up. I don't think Bloom is going to go out and get a big name, but I do think that every he does the same thing every trade deadline wait until the last possible minute and get the one guy that somebody's trying to dump but can't for pennies on the dollar before four o'clock on the trade deadline yeah and you know when that was kyle schwarber that was great but then he let kyle hosmer was like i mean hosmer is the prime example of that the only like hosmer wasn't available until the padres had to do something to get Juan soto right and then boom raised his hand and said we'll take him he operates a lot like an NBA GM where they have like a lot of three team trades because they often just the way the salaries work, they need to. And third teams are always just hopping in and be like, Oh, you got that. I'll, we'll take it. We'll take it. We'll take it. And uh, it's good, but it's, I think that what Cora is implying is that a, it's not enough. Uh, and B it's a uh, not a plan. It's not an actual plan. That's like that's part of a plan. But if you're trying to win a World Series, you would also go at trade these prospects because again, we don't know. We don't uh, know, and you can argue that their best use is as capital. That's certainly how Dabrowski sees it. Um, I don't think you should trade every single prospect you have, but you have to at least recognize that that is one of the reasons why you want to have well-regarded prospects is to trade is them. To trade them. <laughs> and, you know, Bloom hasn't uh, Bloom's traded two prospects since he started, both in deadline deals, but they were both one Aldo Ramirez for Kyle Schwarber. Aldo Ramirez was ranked 19th in the Red Sox system at that point. Yeah, I mean, that was a good trade. It was a good trade. And then he traded uh, Jay Groom for Eric Cosmer last year. But Jay Groom was arguably a post-prospect at that point, too. Anyway, we're talking about a guy who already had had surgery, who was not able to recover his high school form, and and was, frankly, even before surgery, had some issues that were sort of preventing him from seeing his potential. So... Was Noah Song a Bloom or Dombrowski pick? He was a Dombrowski pick. See, there's another one. Yeah. Like, obviously, there are contingencies there, but... Yeah, I'm not going to blame... Uh, the, uh, we haven't discussed the Noah Song thing No, all, I, I, no I, I don't... Because I think it's dumb and stupid. And but, I I mean, but he's a major leaguer, you know? Well, he uh, not, but he's not only because he has to be, or they lose him. I mean, I, I, we don't... Whatever, I don't want to talk... I don't okay. want to talk about Noah Song. I think you see... Some people's reaction to Dabrowski taking Noah Song and putting him in a position where, you know, he has to stay on the major league roster, even though he's clearly not ready 
to be a major leaguer yet. They're like some of the people's reactions, like you feel like they're about to call child services on Dave Dombrowski. Oh, this is horrible what they're doing to this kid's career. No, they're making this kid uh, very, very financially comfortable for a few years. Yeah, and I don't think they're hurting dream. his career. No, I don't think so at all. And and frankly, and and the, look, the bottom line is he was in single A when he went to the Navy. He was so far away from the major leagues, and at at that point, he was extreme. At no, I don't care how good his stats were in Lowell. He was unlikely to become a major league pitcher at that point. He's still unlikely to stick in the major leagues. It's just all the hand wringing about Noah Song. Just I just find it funny. All right, but whatever. All right, all right. You ready for a new segment? I am. Do we need to take another break? I forgot how many breaks we're taking these days. I think we just take one. We just stuff it full of ads. Yeah. All right. Okay. Here we go. Let's move. If right we hold on, if we do take another break, it'll be right now. But I don't think we do. <laughs> well done. All right. So new segment time. I'll tell you a little bit about what I initially. This is not the segment I wanted to do. <clears throat> My initial plan was I was going to have a guessing game with you where I was going to try and uh, I I was going to identify, figure out where various Red Sox players spent the all-star break. And then I was going to give the destination and have you guess who it was. Um, But that turned out to be much harder than I thought it could be. Other than, other than a couple of obvious ones, it was report, you know, Brian Bale went back to the Dominican and worked out at the team's, at the team's academy. And so that was kind of noteworthy. And so people reported that. Um, but mostly I was just going on Instagram to see if I could figure out where these guys went. And the problem with that is I think, you know, it, with, with Instagram stories and reels now, like people, people are more likely to put that stuff in stories. And if you don't see it in time that, you know, there's no post, you don't see it. So I could only find out where one person went on vacation. So I couldn't do that segment, but who was it? In, where did they go? Uh, not telling you at that point, at this point. <laughs> Oh, you okay. will find out. Okay. <laughs> you will find out. Uh, but in spending a lot of time scrolling through various Instagram accounts of Red Sox and Red Sox adjacent people, I did think of another game that we're going to play. So here's what we're going to do. This was initially going to be called the top 10 replies to James Paxton's most recent Instagram post. Okay. Instead, I still could do that. We still could do that because I got a bunch. I have 10 copied down from that post. Instead of we're going to do things a little bit differently. I am going to read you some replies to Instagram posts. You're going to, A, try to guess who the person is replying to. Okay. And B, try to guess what the post actually is. Okay. Okay. We have one, two, three four, five, six of these. I may leave one off or so. We have six of these. All right. So I'll start you off with an easy one. What I think is an easy one to see if you can get your feet wet here. All right. So here is, again, here's the reply. Comes from Instagram user at Leo underscore Gallagher. What's up, Leo, if you're listening. The reply is, please throw the ball straight. I love you. Pray emoji, pray emoji, pray emoji. So two questions for you, Brian. Who is that reply directed to and what is the post? Please throw the ball straight. I love you. Pray emoji, pray emoji, pray emoji. Uh, Am I to assume that all the Red Sox 
players have Instagram accounts? It You can't make that assumption. However, most of them do. They're not all active and they don't all, some of them use it for personal reasons. Some of them, it's clearly just being run by someone who works for their agent. Um, and this is arguably a mix of that. Well, not necessarily, but uh, so, yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with Tanner Houck. Tanner Houck. Okay. Uh, that is incorrect. The answer is this was replied to Kike Hernandez. Oh, <laughs> well, obviously the throw <laughs> the ball. You yeah. could see where that threw me it. off. And it was posted in response to a post that Kike Hernandez put up saying happy Mother's Day to his wife. <laughs> oh, my God. I love it. The response, like, I, I have become, especially in the, the Twitter blue era, the money people pay to write. I'll just give you an example. Today, I saw this comparison of Golden Gate Park to Central Park. Where they I like, saw that too. Jake, right. I think Jake Wallinger. Just, yeah, he did. Uh, he did. Re, yeah, is that where you he saw did. it? Okay. We saw it like yeah. right before we started this. Yeah. And it's true. They sort of look the same. They're about the same size. And I've actually walked the length of Golden Gate Park and it's not as nice as Central Park. That's just a fact. Um, and it's certainly not like, you know, Central Park is probably the most famous park in the world. Probably. Uh and there's just one Twitter, Twitter blue guy, just like three things down. He's like, climate is better in San Francisco too. It's like <laughs> these, these people, like it, it's, it's amazing. I love reply guys. Aren't they? They really are something. It's amazing. Um, it's amazing. Like I have done it, obviously throwing stones. Uh, I've done it too. Yeah. You know, now that I'm doing this job, I see just how stupid some of my previous online behavior has been. It's just, it's the entirety should be shit posting. I swear, like, I yeah. shit you or not. People just need to understand that not everything is for you and the or about you who put something out there doesn't care what you have to say about it, doesn't care. Um, I and I. You know, we see this on the site all the time. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, Avery wrote a really wonderful, fun little piece in which she listed all the songs in Taylor Swift's new album and basically reimagined the tracks as if they were written about the Red Sox. And it was wonderful. And she did a great job. And it got a bunch of high traffic and positive reception. People loved it. But there are also, of course, a bunch of comments under the article about, oh, what is this, the 13-year-old girl? Why are we listening to Dude, you knew it was about Taylor Swift. I put it in the headline. Her picture was right there. You don't have to click on it if you don't like it. Just, just walk away. Go find something else. There's other things on the internet to look at. But people just aren't capable of doing that. And so they see a picture of Kike Hernandez's wife saying, Happy Mother's Day. And they have to chime in and say, please throw straight. Amazing. Let's go to the next one. Let's, all right. The next one. This is from a poster with the handle Ariel Yankees. Uh, this is going to be good. And Ariel Yankees says, you don't deserve to be a Red Sox. You're a shame. You can't get three out. What do you do in the big leagues? You should play in the little leagues. 
cool. <laughs> First of all, why does she care about who deserves to be a Red Sox? <laughs> she's a, she's a Yankee fan. Outs. I don't know. You're a shame. You can't get three out. What do you do in the big leagues? You should play in the little leagues. Ouch. Uh, I'm going to guess this is... Uh, see, I think Corey Kluber is like the one guy who was like, would Corey Kluber have Instagram? I doubt it. Uh, I'm going to go with, uh, Caleb Ort. That is incorrect. I don't think I'm going to get any of these right. <laughs> certainly, I, certainly the context, I don't think I'm ever going to get right because I you think might, that's the you point. Might. So the answer is Kenley Jansen. Okay. And the post that Ariel Yankees was responding to, in which he called him someone who doesn't deserve to be on the Red Sox and can't get three outs, is a post celebrating him getting his 400th save in the oh major leagues. I love it. Incredible, <laughs> incredible scenes. I mean, honestly, we could just turn this segment into like insane reply guy stuff like i yeah this this is sustainable (laughs) it is it it really um and the best part about that too is the reply was posted like a month after i love those two those are amazing (laughs) and also amazing all right so a couple of these the next okay i'll do one more and then we'll do a couple more where i actually have more than one reply so you can progressively guess all right, here's one that I just don't understand at all. Maybe you can help me out here. Um, this is from Zach Jewel 23 Give me a favor. Please hit a home run on the 28th of July so I can get a parallel card. Do you know what the word parallel card means? No. No, I don't either. Okay, I have no oh, idea what that means. <laughs> I do. I do know what it means. Um, in card collecting, there are... Unlike when we grew up, where there's just like the cards, right? There's a set, right? Right. So now there's a set. But every card has like, depending on the set, like five to 20. They're they're parallels in the sense that the image is the same and the information is the same. But they're different rarities. They're different colors or different features some are signed some are numbered some are numbered and signed and there are promotions where if somebody hits a home run on a certain day you you like get a voucher i think card and it says the player's name and if they hit a home run on this day they will they will then create the card and you you can send it in uh so interesting so by nature they would be fairly rare. They would also be fairly benign. It's like, oh, you hit a home run on this day? Great. So, I mean, given that the person was up for this at all, I'm guessing it's Raphael Devers. Hey, you just said you weren't going to guess one, and there you go. All well, right. that, this now, one makes sense specifically because I didn't, I yeah, don't I didn't know who else that, on the Red Sox they would put up for if he hits a home run on this day, you get a parallel card because I don't know who else they would expect to hit home runs. All right. Do you want to take the next leap and try and guess what the post is? (laughs) Um, 
like something about him watching SpongeBob. I don't know. <laughs> it's actually it's not a picture, it's a video. And I'll just read instead of describing the video, I'll just read the caption to the video. The best classroom curriculum, one that's not in the classroom. Proud, proud to be the player captain of this new learning experience for Boston Public School sixth graders. Learn more about the Fenway Park Learning Lab and Mass Mutual Partnership with the Red Sox Foundation. Link in bio. Enjoy summer vacation. BPS. Amazing. <laughs> this is one of my favorite segments we've ever I'm known. Glad, I'm glad you're satisfied. The, like the punchlines are <laughs> just outstanding. It's like, I would say a thousand monkeys and a thousand typewriters couldn't do this, but that's actually what this is. Like, it, we are, it, it, Yeah, this is in real time. We're seeing what happens when a thousand monkeys go. Yes. Be. All right. Two more, two more. So this one, this one I'm going to do progressively. Okay. So like I said, so I have three responses here. Um, so if you don't get it right away, I'll, I'll, I'll read you a couple more. Um. Okay, first one from Edgar or Edgar Edgar Romar P one. <laughs> this might be my favorite one. Start learning Chinese, buddy. Go take your last chance to rob R spelled R O B B E there. Trash can emoji, trash can emoji, trash can emoji, trash can emoji. Start learning Chinese, buddy. <laughs> Go take your last chance to rob there. Now, why I love this quote so much. Why do you love it so much? That the scene in the baseball scene in East Asia is in China, as opposed to primarily Japan and Korea, or... I don't know if he's actually super smart and he's saying that this player isn't even good enough for the Japanese or the Korean leagues and will have to go to Taiwan. Okay. Now this, now this, this is fun. So the person is presumably making money, decent money. I don't think you can presume that from this response. Well, I thought that like you, if you're robbing you know. Yeah, no, I know I get I get what you get what line I'm thinking is I just don't think you can read that much into I don't even know if the word R O B B E is supposed to be that he's robbing somebody. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. Maybe he meant to write disrobe. So maybe it's someone who maybe it's Tristan Casas taking his shirt off in the in the outfield for the game. I don't know. Ah oh, man. So many choices. Uh let's say. Christian Arroyo. Christian Arroyo. Incorrect. Clue number two. Response okay. number two. This okay. one is from Mike Marino. So you do have teeth, huh? Well, that... This one actually makes a lot of sense once you find out who he's talking about. And you have actually already said something kind of to this effect about this player. Interesting. Kind of. Don't don't get lost in that rabbit hole too much. But this one does make sense. Interesting. Okay, Caleb Bort. Incorrect. <laughs> All right. Last one. And I got to say, I really do love that this one goes for a ride because <laughs> it gets very self-aware at the end. 
and actually talks about what we what we were just talking about with reply guys. So here we go. Oh, 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 it's Tanner Houck, isn't it? It is not Tanner Houck. Oh, I thought because he got hit in the face. They're just talking about oh. the team. <laughs> no, it's not because of that. All right, here we go. This is from Pack Trap. Last one. That you you will you will get it here. You will get it, but it's just such a fun ride. I have to read it anyway. Helping Cleveland one last time before you head to the old folks' home. Should have stayed here for limited money. Welp, you snooze, you lose. I say that as you go back to your multi-million dollar estate. The joke is on me. I know. <laughs> I mean, is it Kluber? It's Corey Kluber. Kluber yes. has an Instagram account? He has an Instagram account. Oh, my God. See, That's that, that I... is the upset of the century for me. <laughs> That's what I was referencing to it. So, obviously, the you have teeth huh, comment is in reference to the fact that I will give you a clue. In the picture, Corey Kluber is smiling. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what is he smiling about? What is the well, post about? <laughs> the, the post is... A picture of Corey Kluber standing with his wife and children with the hashtag family day. That's the most, okay. That is, if Corey Kluber is going to have Instagram, I'm glad that he's keeping it 100% Corey Kluber. <laughs> hashtag family day. Hashtag family day. All right. Last one. You ready for it? Yes. Last one. This is actually the one that started the whole thing. Okay, and I have um, all right. I have more than one, but I'm just gonna read one, and then we'll talk, and then I'll tell you what it is, and then we can talk about some of the others. This is from Kiula Activewear. Oh, this is a brand. I didn't even realize when I wrote this down. This is a branded response. Kiula free advertises. Smart, smart here. And Kiula Activewear says. That girl gonna leave you now too, just like every team you've been on. Jesus. <laughs> oh man. Uh that's harsh. Uh is it like Ramel Tapia? It's not Ramel Tapia. All right, but whatever. I will read another one. Laid 2,000 on Red Sox to ride this win streak. What a mistake with this bum selling the game. Hmm. Selling the game? Selling the game. Bum selling the game. <sighs> Whitlock? Not Garrett Whitlock. And now I'm going to throw you for a curveball here. From AP Italiano. Hey, Aaron Siri curve. Curveball coming up. Then Hook coming in. Thank you so much for saving my interest in being a Red Sox fan. Cheapers. <laughs> uh, what was the first one again? The first one was that girl gonna leave you now too, just like every team you've been on. Man, this is harsh. Uh Pablo Reyes. It is not Pablo Reyes. I will now. I'll give you one more that will give you. Actually, I'm just. <laughs> or David Hamilton. <laughs> not David Hamilton. All right, I'm going to give you one that's going to give you a, a very big context clue, and this one's actually musical. So I'm going to. I'm going to sing it. <laughs> well, there's both of us singing on this podcast, <laughs> and it goes. 
old ass bum get shelled like you used to. Is I don't this, know if that's good or not, but is this just Corey Kluber again? It is not Corey Kluber again. But now you do know it's a pitcher. All right, all right, two more, two more, two more. And then and then we'll reveal yeah, it. So okay. it's not Kenley and it's not Corey. So what not, we're saying no. is it's not the guy. It's a new person. It's a new person. All right. One of them, Spooky Ghost 139, just has a one word response. That one word, shitter. I don't know what that means in this context. Okay. But then Nikki, Nikki Smoove says, the people are right. You are a fox emoji. All right. That's it. That's all I got. Here's like my I last. Said, my last guess is Justin Garza. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Sorry. By the way, this is not the last one. I just realized. Oh, man. <laughs> just tell me. I, I can't right. guess anymore. It's not the last one, but it is the best one. That's James Paxton. What? And the people, I know. <laughs> what? Is, he had one bad start last week, if you recall. One kind what? of mediocre start. <laughs> people, have some fucking respect. And the people are responding to a 139-week-old post, which is his most recent post, of James Paxton congratulating his wife on their anniversary that is amazing <laughs> that is like... <laughs> unbelievable and holy I will say... shit what is wrong with people <laughs> on the very base level of if anybody deserves shit on the pitching staff this year it's not it him. james paxton <laughs> that's for damn sure i will say this though nikki smooth is right about how good he looks. He looks good in the picture. It's um, like you said, it's his most recent post. It looks like they're at a wedding. Looks like they're at a wedding in Europe or something either. This is the first one. I'm looking Amsterdam. Up. Yeah, go ahead. You look it up there. I mean, they're holding champagne flutes. They're well-dressed. They're in either Amsterdam or good Germany handle. or good, good a non-London part of oh, England. Wait, no, this is it's a different person. That's why I said uh, it was good. Yeah. yeah. And they do look good. They look good. Um, so yeah, he's right. He's a fox. That was supposed. To, I was supposed to end on that one because that one is the best. Um, but I skipped one that we definitely have no, to. Oh, he doesn't so. look that good. He looks pretty well. Here's well. Well, let me clarify my response. One thought I have had about James Paxton his entire career is that there's something weird about the way a baseball hat sits on his head <laughs> that bothers me. I don't know what it is. Kind of like flares out on the side a little bit. It's the it's ears, always... man. You can see it in this picture. There's something about the ears. It's, yeah, but well, maybe. So that's always bothered me. So seeing him out of the hat, I was like, all right, looking good there. All right, you ready for the last one now? How did you not how did you not do hopefully she can pitch better than you? You're terrible, buddy. Time to find a new career. <laughs> I did have that. I did have that one written down at some point. I, I don't know why. I, I must have just lost insane. it on this document. <laughs> Holy right. shit. We're gonna go out on a little bit more of a positive note here. Okay, ready? The last one. Okay. And I, right. I got I got two responses for this one. I just thought that could not possibly be James Paxton because he'd been so good. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. All right, here we go. Last one. This is from... <laughs> I forgot about this person's handle. <laughs> this is from Nativism. 
And if you okay. think that that's a pun or a coincidence, or if they don't know what that word means, well, I feel like I'm about to be disabused of that notion. <laughs> the reply is all caps. That's important to note. All caps. A great picture of America as it should be with one of our greatest citizens. American flag emoji, American flag emoji, American flag emoji, American flag emoji. Now, this is of a current player. That is correct. A great picture of America as it should be with one of our greatest citizens. Okay. So it's obviously, is it Chris Sale? It is not Chris Sale. Is it Justin Turner? It is Justin Turner. That was my, that was my, fir <laughs> my first guess was Justin Turner, but then I was like, let's just give Chris Sale some props. Yeah. You would have gotten it anyway, because the next reply I had uh, coming from Sue B6578 is, you need to come back and manage the Dodgers. I know you're making a life there, and I love Boston, but you seem so much happier in L.A. This is where your heart is. Your eyes show that you are missing home. Game isn't the same without you. Sorry, Boston, but he's the kindest person with a great attitude, and we miss him so much. I mean, the stats don't show that he's missing LA. No, it doesn't. All right, so a great. Uh, so, what do you think? What do you think, Brian? What is what is a great picture of America as it should be with one of our greatest citizens look like to you? So, it's something. Him. Uh I'm torn between some sort of like American burger beach scene or him being at like a veterans memorial and posting something <laughs> to like for clout. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you are pretty close. You are pretty close. This is, this is uh, one of the ones that originally I found with the initial segment that were the initial idea for the segment, find out where Red Sox spent the all-star break. It is a picture of Justin Turner on a boat. At sunset, it's actually a video of Justin Turner on a boat at, at at sunset. He appears to be waving to the sun, and the camera pans over and eventually catches the American flag in the back of the boat. So I guess that's it. That's it's like basically both. That's like the two things I said at, at once. I, I yeah, like that. it pretty much is. Pretty much is. Um, so yeah, he was in. By the way, so like I said about where Red Sox spent their All Star break vacation, uh, he and his wife were in Watch Hill, Rhode Island. Oh, so well, again, you know, you bring know it back to Taylor Swift. I was there. You go. I was going to say that ties back in. Have you ever gone um, there? I went there once. Uh, with I my, well, I, I didn't. We stayed in I Mystic have. and we drove over to watch it. Yeah, I don't think I've been to Watch Hill specifically. I've been to Charlestown, Rhode Island. Um, that's pretty much it. That's pretty much. I, I have not spent a ton of time on the south coast of Rhode Island. Yeah, I mean they have they have the Watch Hill just as this. <clears throat> My kids were even smaller and it was a cute little kid's beach. But other than that, uh, I think you really have to um, be incredibly rich to enjoy. It. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And to like have good beach access. Uh, are we going to talk about the Mets? You want to talk about the Mets? Let's talk about the Mets. We've got, so we already talked about how Nick Pavetta may or may not be starting on Sunday, or maybe it'll just be a Bernardino Pavetta game, but we've got Friday night tonight, James Paxton. <laughs> The bum, the bum, the, the fox, bum who, the bum slash fox slash guy who blew two thousand dollars for some random Instagram replier. James Paxton against Kodai Senga. You excited to watch Kodai? Yes. I actually, fun. I have not seen him pitch yet this yeah. year. I can't believe that. Um, 
I guess the Mets have just been such a mess that I haven't been turning them on. I'm very, very excited. This, this should be fun. The funny part is, so I'm looking on the ESPN uh, listings of the schedule and it has ticket prices. Mm-hmm. The Mets tickets as low as are higher than pretty much anywhere on the board here, even though the Mets are not very good. I understand. Oh, that. well, I think I there's a couple of, yeah, there's a couple of reasons. Well, first of all, in general, I actually, I love when the Mets come to Fenway. I don't know if you like. I, I, there are a couple of teams. Mets fans and Red Sox fans, like '86, obscured the fact that we have way more in common than we have against each other. I, I actually don't think. I don't think it's obscured. I, I think it's like an open thing that that at least for me, you know, that when I lived in New York and you live in New York now, like I, I bro down with Mets fans. Of course, I, I really do. Of course, I love them, and they do travel. The Met, the Mets are the only team that does this, as far as I know. And it's really cool. And I would like to see more teams do it. Um, but one of my good friends in New York is is a member. I can't, what do they call it? They have a fan group. I can't remember what it's called. It's called like the seven train gang or something like that. Is this a seven go to City Field? I've forgotten. It's been so long. I think it does, right? Yes. Whatever it's called. It, I, and they have. Uh, Dan, Dan. <laughs> There's things you can't forget. And the seven train is just like. All right, fair enough. Seven. I'm, I'm a Queens guy. I'm not a Queens guy. I got guy, it right. It, Why? I got it right. right. I just true. said I wasn't sure. What color is the seven? Or what color yeah, is the blue? circle around the seven? Well, you know that I can barely see colors, but is it a blue? I it's a blue, right? That. Is that true? Yeah, we've discussed this in Slack. It's, there was an entire day. Do you day. think I read all the Slack messages? You, there was an entire day because I had, to, I was, <laughs> I Are went. Are you colorblind? I'm not colorblind, but I have like I have whatever everyone else has that makes them flip the fuck out whenever the NFL does the color rush games. Oh, all of a sudden yeah. they can't see. Well, like, you don't the watch the NFL, anymore. so that's not I don't. A yeah, but when I but when that happens, I see the screenshots well, the, come up on Twitter, and I freak the fuck out like I'll, yeah, I'll the, uh, I yeah the I remember it was a Bills Jets Thursday night game. Oh God, it and was it's awful. like. If they they show like they had a visual effect of what it looks like to normies, mm. and I was just like cracking up. I was like, holy shit! It was the worst. Uh, and, okay, and this came up in Slack because I I was doing a piece a couple of weeks ago about Yoshida. I think okay, it's purple. I'm just gonna give it you the answer. It's purple. It's purple. Okay. okay. All right. Yeah. All right. So yeah, I can't see colors. Um, but anyway, so the Mets have like a fan group. I think it's called the Seven Line. You're gang supposed to be like the that. White Sox uh, site manager. Did you just? I, I can see. It's not real. I can, I can see red. It's <laughs> and the group, like you join, you pay, you pay like an annual membership, and you're entitled to X amount of home games. And they organize road trips. That's and awesome. they all sit in the same section That's and cool. wear shirts. And they do this at home at City Field too, and then you'll see it. They do it for big, like they were they were in Fenway last. It was the last summer or the summer before. Um, they were making and they make noise because they all sit together and they're all coordinated. And since they all kind of come up on trains and buses together, like it's a little bit of a European soccer or college football. It's, basketball well, I was going to say it sounds a little like uh, like the Korean fans, but I saw at the WBC. Like, yeah sitting together making noise together like it's i don't know why more teams don't do this but the mets do do it um so like i always enjoy a mets trip to fenway for that reason and i just i you know i like them as a club i do i enjoy the mets as a as i'm glad the mets exist so i'm i'm excited for this weekend series is what i'm saying 
Yeah, me too. I mean, Scherzer. It's Scherzer on Saturday. So, yeah, we got uh, we got uh, Paxton and Seng on Friday. Crawford on Scherzer on Saturday. Cutter Crawford coming off probably the best performance of his career so far. And then on Sunday, the maybe Nick Pavetta, maybe. I don't think it's maybe Nick Pavetta. It's just Nick Pavetta in the first or Nick Pavetta in the third. Yeah, Pavetta first. Nick Pavetta is the pitcher. We just don't know when he'll be. And he is going against Carlos Carrasco, who in 13 game starts this year has a minus 0.3 war. That's bad. Yeah. How do you feel about this series? I. Well, I never feel great to face Max Scherzer. Let's put it that way. That's for sure. Yeah. I feel pretty good about the Pavetta Carrasco matchup. Paxton and Senga is going to be. Something. I mean that that's I think that's gonna be that's gonna be a fun one. Uh yeah. I think you know, you just never know, especially with a team like the Mets that is talented but sucks, which is you know, weird. Uh as opposed to Oakland who doesn't have talent and sucks. And they lost two or three to Oakland, but I, you know, I would pencil them in for too, and I think that I it's really it just comes down to Paxton versus Senga for me. So here's how fascinating the Mets are. The the Mets are the National League equivalent of the James Paxton trade question. They're just fascinating, and I like to think about them. I'm just gonna read to you the last oh, let's see. Um oh man, I could do this for oh god, I could go back a while. I'm gonna read to you the results of the Mets recent schedule. Um, let's see if you pick up any patterns. Last three games, win, win, win. They played a night, but right now they're sitting on a three-game win streak. Uh, I'm looking at I'm looking at their team. It's incredible. <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> All right, after win, win, win. Ready? Loss, 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 loss. 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 Win 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 loss 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 win that's incredible win loss 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 what day was this Brewers game this game was June twenty seventh so this will segue nicely into the next segment I started the five the thousand laps of summer on June twenty eighth since that day they have not won or lost fewer than three games in a row no no they have not. They are like, I mean, we talked about the Red Sox being streaky before. I this is this tops anything we've seen from the the Red Sox this season. This is unbelievable. Well, it's nice that we miss Verlander, though. He, I mean, it is nice that we miss Verlander, but it's not great that they're on a win streak. And I am worried, uh, given the Red Sox offensive production the past two days in Oakland, I am worried that we might be falling into one of these random blips, especially, you know, Devers has been day to day. I'm worried that we might be falling into this random blitz where all of a sudden the entire team can't hit for a week. And we're, you know, I'm, going I'm up debating against... being the ultimate pessimist and saying the Mets are going to sweep. Oof. My God. We're going to, if the Mets sweep, we're going to have a lot to talk about next week. I just more suspect that I, I would not be surprised whatsoever if the Mets went on a run. Uh, to some degree. Yeah. Does, I think I mean, it's look, too late for them. I don't think it is. I know there's seven <laughs> games back in the wild card, but it's, it's still July. They got to do it. Like <clears throat> August is 
when things really fall into place. Uh, okay, I'll say Mets win two of three, the first two games. Okay. I'm, I'm afraid of Senga against the offense, our offense right now. Is it going to be a sweep? <laughs> See? It See? could be a sweep. See? Oh, it could be a sweep. Hmm. I don't know. By the way, I'm just I'm just looking at this right now. I'm looking at Fangraph's projected finish. Um, currently, the Mets are 45 and 50. Fangraphs does think they're going to end the year 81 and 81. See, that's so that's a little bit of a run. It's actually it's actually a big run because that would be them playing 543 ball for the rest of the season, which is one of I mean. The only teams they are predicting who will play better than 543 over the rest of the season, the Braves, obviously, at 582. The Rays, but only just barely at 549. The Dodgers, but only just barely at 546. And they think the Jays are also going to be 543. And they think the Padres are going to be 562. But that's it. Other than that, they think the Mets are going to be... So they think the Mets are going to be, what is that, the sixth? best team from here on out um for the record they think the Sox are going to play 514 ball the rest of the year and they think the Sox are going to finish at 84 and 78 which is exactly the record that i predicted on opening day well then they, i don't want them to do that i don't yeah, want you to have to satisfy all right you you make your prediction <sighs> i don't want to say they're going to be swept either <laughs> but it would be extremely on par for the 2023 Let's season. just say we neither of us are saying they get swept and neither of us are saying they're losing two or three, but our average is between the two. Yeah. What? So we think they're going to lose two and a half games is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Uh, okay. Well, so let's let me just interject here because I, I mentioned it. Very quickly, thousand laps of summer update. And this is, I told you I had to wait a little bit today to record the podcast. Dan, we were at 390 last week. Today, as of today, we are sitting right at the midpoint 500 down. 500 down. I had 28 to do this morning. Now, I'm starting to work more and it's going to rain tomorrow. So it's going to, it's been rainy. It's been a super rainy summer, at least in New England. So this is, this is why you're like, oh, you're going to finish it easily. It's like, yeah, if I continue at this pace, but here we haven't had a ton of rain and thunderstorms at times I could go to the pool. It's been pretty smooth. So while I'm confident I will I will do it, I really wanted to front load uh, the, the time. And now I'm halfway done. And, it, you know, I felt really good today. It just feels better and better. And uh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna finish this. We're gonna finish this. I just for those of people wondering why should I care about this, you don't have to, but I say it on the air so that I have to keep doing it. So there you go. Got anything to recommend? Other than uh unmuting yourself. Ah shit, sorry. <laughs> I had so many great, I had so many great interjections there too. <laughs> yeah, I didn't hear any. It's just oh well, all lost, all lost to the ether. Um, I do have a recommendation. It is arguably uh, kind of a lame recommendation because, as I've done several times before, I'm going to recommend something people definitely already know about. And in fact, I knew about it, but I didn't give it 
the proper chance that it deserved, and I now am, and I can't believe how good it is. I'm recommending a TV show that you may have already watched every episode of, The Righteous Gemstones. Not is every episode. So fucking good. Yeah, I can't believe it, and I don't know why. I didn't really watch it the first time around. I know I watched the first episode and I think I remember going like, Oh, that was good. And it just, you know, as everyone in the world has discussed many times over the last 10 years, there's just too much goddamn TV, but this show is so good. And it's not just funny. Like I actually think it's arguably an important show. Oh yeah. It's almost like, it's like to me, uh, and I'm only now four or five episodes in, but I feel like this is almost like this is succession, but funnier with perhaps more interesting themes and way more penises. Yeah. Lots and lots of penises. I have to say, uh, you know, I'm a straight man, but the the Danny McBride crew and the Andy Sandberg crew, I love that they flipped the like 70s, 80s, like their boobies thing. <laughs> To just like to, to, constantly to just have penises. penis humor. Right. Because it's like honestly just much funnier because penis is oh, ridiculous. So much funnier. Yeah. They but, won't uh, they won't always be funny. I think eventually, eventually it'll stop being funny. But for the time being, yeah. I don't know about that. I don't know if you you know, you have kids. Penises <laughs> tend to stay pretty funny. Oh, that's true. Uh, it's yeah, that's hilarious. They, uh, that's they talk about that a lot. Uh, I'm going through a lot with my uh, my three year old right now is extremely confused about the various things his penis does this is this is this is a new highlight for us uh no i agree with you i i've actually i didn't know what to recommend but now i know because i've been on a danny mcbride kick uh and because i think he's probably the funniest actor right now like i was listening to the rewatchables did this is the end which i had never seen because i thought it was like apparent like too meta mm. and i saw that at the court at cobble hill theater mm. i drove by there recently rest in peace um it's gone the one at the corner of atlantic and court no 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 i'm talking about the tiny the, little the little one, one way down i'm the sure street. the little yeah, one's yeah, still yeah. there i Good. went i yeah. went there plenty uh but the uh my recommendation because i had literally have been watching this is just the three minute Danny McBride entrance to the movie. <laughs> and it's like been psyching me up to like go to work, to go to swim, to do, to do anything. I just watch it. I, I am so into it that uh, the Cypress Hill song that they play. I was looking this very morning on what free use rules were. Cause I wanted it to be the intro to this podcast, but we can't do that. I, figured out we nah, can't do that. Shame. which is unfortunate because it would be the perfect intro song what song so, is it when the shit goes down you better be ready uh that's three singing three instances. three different yeah, three if different you songs. but if you google just danny mcbride this is the end it'll say there'll be a like movie clips thing it says danny mcbride doesn't care that's it just watch that it's i also listened to him on the smart less podcast which mm. I only started listening to is the Jason Bateman, Will Arnett, and Sean Hayes. Gotta say, they get great guests for obvious reasons. Dan, I'm, I'm just going to lay this on you. We're better podcasters than that. All right. You know what? I'm so happy you just said that because 
because I find it very difficult. I don't find them to be particularly, if you didn't know who they were, you'd be like, this is a mess. All right. So I have not listened to the podcast either. I bet we probably have the same story here, but my wife a couple of days ago put on their new Netflix show, which is basically just, I think you mean a Mac show. Sure, whatever. It well, it's a big, well, it's a distinction because the whole thing David Zaslav was going to do is like we're going to make Max for everyone. It's like here's your main thing you're promoting: two yeah. people from the most niche sitcom of all time <laughs> having a podcast with Sean Hayes. Like yeah. that is well, the opposite. Have you seen of the show? I've li- no, I've listened to two podcast episodes. Yeah. I have not listened to the pod itself. The show is just a documentary that follows them on tour doing live tapings of the pod. Um, so that's my, that's been my only exposure to the pod itself. And, you know, in, in my experience as a podcast listener, we haven't done a live taping yet. We might one day go to Sri Lanka and do one. Cause we're the number one baseball podcast in Sri Lanka. Um, but like, I've always found live shows are not as good as the real thing. I think so. Maybe that's part of it, but in from what I've watched and I had no idea that this is clearly based on the guests, one of the top 10 podcasts in, in America. I'm not that impressed with it either. No, I, I <laughs> Jason, don't... Jason Bateman is trying way too hard. Yes. Always yes. to be funny. Sean Hayes just, it turns out, isn't that funny or charming. He's got, there's just there. nothing less convincing than Sean Hayes doing a fan duel ad read. Oh God! There was literally one of them. So well, I that I to, could see being funny because I know but he, but he about wasn't, sports. But. but he so but a huge part of the podcast is they talk sports and bro down. And Sean Hayes like, can I get a word in? And it's like, <laughs> now it worked with like Tom. The first one I listened to was Tom Holland because I hadn't listened, and it was the most recent one. Mm-hmm. And that actually was interesting. Well, it wasn't interesting because they talked about golf most of the time. But then Sean oh, Hayes is really God. interested in Tom Holland. He's like, you're one of the very few straight guys who's very like took about ba- took ballet. And it, that led to a really interesting story of Tom Holland being like, yeah, all my friends were rugby players. They're trying to get girls. And he's like, I'm in a class with 30 girls in tights all day. You guys are in the wrong place. <laughs> but otherwise, it wasn't particularly interesting. And I the only reason I listened to Danny McBride was for Danny McBride. And mm-hmm. He had fun stuff to say. Basically, this whole segment that we're doing right now is recommending Danny McBride and us and, talking about Danny McBride, <laughs> not that. I I can't believe what I like. Yeah, you've basically been living in my den because this is what happened. Like we watched the show a little bit. Neither my wife nor I had ever seen it before, and then she gave it a shot. She gave the podcast a shot after watching the show. She listened to the Danny McBride episode. And then we that night decided to watch the righteous. Oh, look at that! <laughs> I will happened. say, I will say that uh, I back when I had hair, especially with my voice, got a lot of Will Arnett uh, comps. Let's put it that way. Uh, interesting. I have never once thought you sounded like Will Arnett. We've well, established we that very I think you gravel, sound like Sam Waterston on, on Law and Order. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah, uh, that's what I've always gone with. But okay, I mean, I never heard you when you were a little bit younger. You know, Did you watch that. Vice Principals? I again think I watched like the first episode and was like, "Yeah, this is good," but I don't think I need it in my life. It's good. It's like a, it's like a difficult text. It's really funny, but it 
gets it's like gemstones it's very in the same like same with eastbound which i didn't watch all the way through and i know people but mm-hmm. it's uh he's just amazing and the the way his crew is just all the same people he grew up with or went to film school with and that they basically have taken over charleston south carolina as like a unit where they all live it's really interesting but if anyone wants to know more about that you can listen to the smart list podcast we don't necessarily recommend it <laughs> but you can do that uh and uh until then enjoy the red sox baseball hopefully they don't get swept by the mets we'll see good they could also sweep the mets then we'll, we'll cover that and more next week please let's let's find some more instagram stuff that was gold i i will try um I will try. You have to comb. The problem is, like we discussed, so many players just aren't really active. Even if they do have accounts, they're not really posting much. Well, and in James Paxton's case, it didn't seem to matter. It didn't seem to matter. No. And so many of them, re, you know, uh, are, rely on reels. I didn't. So I, I don't know if you I have I do not follow Tristan Costas on Instagram. Um, so I'm going to have to look into this. But the bottom line is now, guys, we're talking about this recently. Apparently. He he maybe does a thing after wins where he puts a story together of, I guess, just like, um, I'm going to have to look into this and get it right. But it, it, it has to do with reposting people congratulating him, I think, and how they're almost, he's almost exclusively reposting cute 25-year-old girls. So, Livia. Do your thing, Tristan. Live it up. Live it up, Tristan. <laughs> he's, he's young. He's a big leaguer. Do your thing. But yeah, yeah. I do I do feel like uh, I'm probably – it's a blind spot that, that's probably not good for the production of the site and the podcast that I'm not following all these guys on Instagram. So maybe I'll so get on Instagram. that. I will. All right, all right. I don't want the algorithm to get all fucked up. That's the problem, you know? Uh, you got to be careful with what you, you – be careful. You, you, you want to just keep it thirst traps. I get it. All <laughs> right. That's what it would be if I'm looking at all of Tristan Costas's DM sliders. Well, I'm single, so I might do it. Yeah. Until next week, Dan, stay cool. All right, dude. Take care.